Hello and welcome to the FEZ Show. It is the 26th of June 2020 and we have a lot to talk about today. As Mahindra signed Lynn for the remainder of the season, we're also going to be discussing the Berlin, the remaining possible Berlin track layouts and what could happen with that. And we're also going to have a little bit of a discussion on Sam Bird. So joining me over the next half an hour is the one and only Edward Hunter and the amazing Jack Pickering. Morning, boys. Good morning. Good morning, Jack. How is everyone? It's great that you're all here. It's another show, another day, another show, but we've got a lot to talk about. We have a lot to talk about. Um, Alex Lynn, I think that's what we've got to start with. That's a good place to start, yeah. Because let's face it, right? No, we weren't talking Alex Lynn. No one was. No one was talking Alex Lynn when we were talking about Mahindra. It was all about Sam de Jong and Nick Heidfeld. We thought they'd just turn to their reserve drivers, go on, boys, jump in the car, Jack. And well, not Jack. Well, Nick and Nick and Sam Young. But Jack, I think you should speak next. Um, but you know, that's what we were thinking. And all of a sudden, Mahindra come out, and it's and it's Alex Lynn. What did you make of that decision, Jack? Well, if Mahindra had given me a call up on uh, on Monday asking for me to drive for the final six races, I would have jumped to that opportunity. Even though I, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't have any super license points. I just have points on my license. Um, <laughs> so yeah, no, I think. Um, uh, so, uh, so yeah, it, it came as a massive shock. I know, I, uh, and uh, and I know that in the uh, in the chat room, we we are uh, we were all quite surprised about it as well. Uh, we yeah, we all expected either Nick Kuyper or Sam De Jong. Um, and so yeah, when when it turned out that it was Alex Lynn. It was a surprise, but a pleasant. It was definitely a pleasant surprise because Alex then has showed, time and time again, that he is a great. Uh, he, he's, he's a great driver in Formula E. His first race in the series, bam, on pole position for DS Virgin when um, uh, when he was replacing Jose Maria Lopez, um, and then admittedly that season, the season at Virgin didn't really work out in season four, um, but. Um, but yeah, uh, but yeah, when he came in uh, after Nelson Piquet left um, in season five, he uh, I, I'm pretty sure he stuck it on the front row in one of the New York races, and so uh, and so yeah, I think uh, I think he's a fantastic candidate for um, uh, for Mahindra to have, uh, and yeah, it's it, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how he gets on. He, uh, and uh, and one thing that's really interesting because we have six races, we've only had five beforehand. Uh, Alex then could still win the championship despite only coming in for Berlin. Yep, same same with Rene Rast, which is which is quite hilarious. But we had the opportunity had to speak to Dilbag Gill, so we've got quite a bit to say on this Alex Lynn uh, conversation. But he did tell me that Heitfeld and Sam Young were in consideration, but because they hadn't really had any Gen 2 experience or much of it, then they were sort of ruled out. What do you make on that? Yeah, I suppose I've actually seen most of Heidfeld's Gen 2 experience when he goes, he's done his runs in the Gen 2 car up at Goodwood last year, memorably at the Hill Climb, but uh, for the Festival of Speed, I think, during July, which is uh, usually just before the uh, end of the season. But... Yeah, I, I guess that sort of makes sense because I think Sam Young has only himself has only really done tests as well. So none of them really had proper experience with the Gen 2 car at Street Circuits. And obviously you've got stuff to consider like um, one of the things that Oliver Turvey was talking about in the uh, interview we did for the magazine that's hopefully coming out soon 
is he talked about how Gen 2 car had a different brake-by-wire system and the Neo team really struggled with that in Season 5. And so you can understand from that point of view as a driver that you need a lot of experience in order to be quick out of the box. And that's what they want. And Lynn has sort of had this reputation now as a guy who can be sort of parachuted in because like Jack Pickering said, he did that at Jaguar when PK left. And he had some very strong races, even though unfortunately his reliability wasn't quite up to scratch because that New York race owned he retired while running second, if I remember correctly. And um, so, yeah, it, it seems that that has just uh, made Lynn the more attractive candidate. And he did just miss out on keeping the Jaguar drive, actually, to James Collado for this season. So this seems to be him getting his way back in and getting in his good books at Mahindra. And it'll be interesting to see how he goes and whether he gets a full drive out of it. Yeah, because that's the interesting thing, because obviously we spoke to Dillbag and, we, he, you know, he couldn't rule him out. He can't rule out Alex Lynn because he said, if he, Jack, if he has six amazing races, then you can't, like, say he's he's not ruled out for, for a long-term drive. But it was interesting, you know, Dillbag was saying we were assessing all options. Obviously, we had tons and tons of drivers. He said he had lots and lots of phone calls um, from very good drivers asking about that seat for Pascal Valen for the remainder of the season, for season seven, he said, we weren't short on phone calls, but we had to make a decision. And one of the main reasons why they went with Alex Lynn is, is because he's got that Gen 2 experience, he's raced in Formula E, so he's sort of, you know, he sort of understands, and he's raced for two teams. One of the key things that um, Dillbag said was that we don't really sign drivers that have come from different teams. Obviously, they signed Jerome, who came from Dragon, but with... Lynn, he's actually gone to two teams, so he can sort of discuss the things that Virgin and Jaguar are doing in certain areas that can maybe help the team move forward in these last couple of races and going into season seven. Yeah, let's not forget that Envision Virgin have two proven race winners, and uh, in in uh, in Sam Bird and Robin Freins, and then also from also from Jaguar, you've got Mitch Evans, who is currently lying second in the championship uh, and, and is a real championship contender. So, so yeah, I think, yeah, I think it was actually a bit of a masterstroke that no one really saw coming to sign Alex in. It means, it, it means that Mahindra can build on it. And in the unlikely circumstance that, um, uh, I mean, I, I say unlikely, it, it, it could happen, but I severely doubt that Alex Lynn's going to uh, win all six races in Berlin. Um, but, um, but, but uh, but even if he does well in like, a lot of them, he could set himself up very very nicely for that season seven seat. Maybe beating out some uh, some other candidates. Maybe a Sergei Sorokin. Uh, we, uh, we we've we've touted Oliver Turvey as well, but we're not. Uh, but yeah, the thing is, the season seven seat kind of up in the air at the moment, following everything that's happened. But um, but yeah, if um if uh, Dillbag's not short on calls for season seven, let's see how these six races go, and then um. Yeah, uh, and then maybe he can take some time to evaluate. I think they've got until, well, uh, well, the se- season seven calendar was announced last week, first race in January, so they'll do testing in what um, late October, early November. So, so, so yeah, I think uh, I think there are quite a few candidates they could do. You think about throwing your own hat in the ring, PK? Oh yes, no, Mahindra, thank hi, yeah, <laughs> I uh, <laughs> like to uh, drive for you in season seven. Yes, well, I mean, I think there's going to be quite a number of drivers that have a higher racing pedigree than you. Um, on Ooh. that, unfortunately, well, it's the same for me, to be fair, right? It's the same for me. But um, but the thing is, right, what I want to get back to, which with Alex Lynn, is that it, you know Mahindra have 
all the options open, right? And when we spoke to Dale Bagill yesterday, he said, you know, there is no commitment on Alex Lynn past Berlin, right? He is delighted that he's got Alex Lynn because he obviously, as I said, he's driverless, racing form three, competitive, knows the Gen 2 car, you know, they did a private test yesterday with their season seven man, or not yesterday, Wednesday technically, um, and they, you know, Lynn was there observing, getting to know the mechanics, getting to see how the car was working and so forth, and Jerome D'Ambrosio did all the driving, Lynn didn't do any driving, Dilbag confirmed that to me. But I think it's interesting, I think they've really found a driver in Lynn that, you know, that could just slot in like he has done at Jaguar, and get them points, and, and get the ball moving, because yes, they had Pascal Verline ahead, but, you know, Lynn is a solid replacement. Yeah, I, I think I think he's one of the, in terms of young, hungry guys desperate to prove something, he's definitely up there. And he's obviously, since uh, his last hit in Formula E, I think the most that he's done is he's done a bit of uh, endurance racing in, I believe, LMP2, if I remember correctly. But, um, yeah, he's definitely done that at certain points in his career. But, yeah, he still has clearly a lot to offer. Uh, I think Pascal Vellan was able to score fourth place in Santiago, which I think is the best that Mahindra have done this season so far. So it'd be interesting to see if Lynn can get anywhere near that into sort of top five, top six or something like that. Uh, I think that would be a realistic target for him. Uh, but obviously it depends how well Mahindra's go at Berlin, obviously. Because if, if, uh, the good thing about different circuit layouts that potentially they have is if uh, one of them doesn't suit them, then maybe the next uh, the races a few days later will suit them better on the different layout and so forth. Yeah, exactly. And I suppose the last thing to say on this, Jack, is is another thing that Dilbag said was, you know, he he doesn't think the results Alex Lynn has had in previous races at Virgin and Jaguar actually reveal his actual potential. He thinks he's had a lot of bad luck. He thinks he's been unlucky or things just haven't come together for him. And, you know, maybe going back to that race in New York where he put it on pole in that first appearance very Jean-Eric Verne style but much more impressive because that was in season four rather than or season three sorry rather than in um season one so for for Mahindra you know if they do believe and they think they can give him the environment for him to flourish you never know we could see a, a completely revitalized Alex Lynn that becomes like Oliver Rowland and you know cements himself as one of these top drivers in Formula E Oh, totally. Uh, going back to New York, he he's uh, as I said, he got a pole there. He's stuck on the front row for Jaguar as well, um, and both of which had reliability issues. So yeah, I, I I do think that we have we haven't seen the best of Alex Lynn. Maybe he just hasn't been unlucky. I think his best finish was a sixth in Punta del Este in season four, but um, uh, but. Yeah, we. But he has been at the front. Of, he has been at the front of the field a few times. It just hasn't worked out for for him on the day. So if it does work out in Berlin, I reckon that uh, uh, I, I I reckon that Mahindra will probably start considering him for season seven. Uh, I think uh, I think that uh, I think that he is extremely capable of fighting up with the front. Yes, the Mahindra car hasn't been there. Uh, that much this season, but we saw uh, we uh, we saw with Pascal Verline, especially in um, Mexico City, he stuck it third on the grid, but had to take penalties. Uh, so had to, so started from the back and served a drive through as well, um, and he came up to finish ninth. So the Mahindra car is okay. It's it's by far and away not one of the front few um, front few contending for the title, but the thing is, I think. If uh, I think if the track's right, 
if, if, if everything's blowing in the right direction, Alex Lynn could score some big points from Mahindra, lift them up from ninth place in the championship, maybe get around that top five, top six uh, pack. Which is where Mahindra will want to be in. And it is a bit, they have had a disappointing season. And not to reveal too much too early from what Dilbeck's been saying, but, you know, they've said that they've been working during this lockdown period on the software, on bits where they know they've struggled and they've hoped they've found some solutions um, to some of their issues. But I suppose at the same time, everyone at this precise moment is also looking at the issues that they've had and trying to make a step forward going into these final six races. So, you know, even though Mahindra think they've solved the issue, they may not have made a step forward. Or maybe they have made a step forward. Only time will tell. August 5th, when we go racing in Berlin. And I think that's a great segue into these layouts. Because obviously we got two new layouts. We're assuming, right, the 5th and 6th race are going to be on the original Berlin. Well, we don't know. But I think we are assuming, boys, that... It will be on the traditional Berlin layout that that we know and love. I don't know if we love it, but there we go. But um, and then the final two layouts will be new, right? And there's a lot of talk right now whether or not the teams will get these layouts before they go to Berlin, or if that will even be possible. If these layouts have even been discussed or created yet, or if they'll just turn up on those race weekends and have to just deal with that circuit for the first time, Ed. What would you prefer? Would you prefer the teams to sort of, you know, get a look at it so we have we have a competitive race? Or would you prefer that they just turn up on that day? Here's the track that you're racing at today. Good luck. Hey, we may not know and love the tracks just yet, but how, why don't we just get to know them and give them a chance, Adrian? <laughs> but, uh, so from a fan's perspective, I think you probably prefer not for the teams not to know going in because it means that they've got a bit less time to prepare. They've got to sort of do a lot of calculations on the fly in regards to energy management and stuff like that. And it makes their job harder. It makes it more likely that some of them will get it wrong. And that leads to more of a spectacle. But from the team's point of view, you they're focused on getting the best performance and uh, not making mistakes. So they will absolutely want. Um, I know some you've talked to some of the drivers. They maybe feel a bit differently. But the teams absolutely will want to know beforehand. There's also certain things like in terms of the logistical point of view, in terms of I think for spectators knowing what the layout looks like beforehand so they can actually follow it a bit better. I think that's going to be important. So I, I can see more reasons for them to be public and open like about it a few weeks beforehand. But I do hope, secretly, part of me does hope that, they, uh, that the teams just go into the unknown and we see some crazy racing and some interesting results. Yeah, Jack, what do you think? Obviously, if they do have the simulator, we're going to have some competitive races and you could say it's fair because they would do that every race weekend and therefore whoever is the champion is the deserved champion because they put the homework in. Whereas if you do go into the unknown, I still think the champion will still be deserved because they've adapted to the situation the quickest and therefore, you know, has has become the champion because they can adapt. They can just hit the ground running, give them any track, any place. Don't care if I know it or do know it. I'll perform at the best of my ability straight away. Well, yeah, I think uh, personally, from my opinion, I'd go, don't show them. Don't show them at all. Either that or or, uh, or reveal all three layouts on like August 1st or something. So, so, so it means that they can't really, uh, that they can't really do much testing. On uh, on a simulated layout or uh, on the simulated layouts, I, I'd I'd also like to point out um, again, high high FIA, uh, have a look at our other episode where you can see our favourite 
uh, track layouts that you can pick. Um, so yeah, use that. Uh, use uh, use those layouts. But yeah, no, I think. Um, but um, but yeah, I th uh, I think that they shouldn't really show show them that early. I think it'll make a more competitive race, and um, and, and 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 it means that it's a little bit more uh, um, uh, unpredictable. Yeah, I want to just segue, segue. Um, do you think, like, we ran a competition, right? You ran a competition, Jack, of fan designs. Now, whether or not Formula Re use our fan design competition to make their their own, but would it be a cool PR stunt for Formula Re to actually say, right, here's your airfield, you make a track, and, 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 and actually Formula Re are the ones picking the fans' track from their account. I know it would be great for them to use ours, but would it be great for Formula Re to go, well... We could have a hundred possible. Why can't we make a fan track and see if that will work, or if it's possible? If they do that, we are going to sue Formula E for for my brilliant idea. Um, I think I, I, I think that's only fair. Um, but no, I think uh, I, I I think for, for Formula E is, has always been towards the fans. It's always been a fan. Well, it's not a fan-driven sport because we obviously don't make up the rules. But but it but. But, but there's always been the essence of fans. They, uh, uh, they, we've had fan boost since day dot. Admittedly, it do doesn't really matter anymore. I think who gets fan boost, who doesn't get fan boost. But, um, but even so, I think uh, I, I think having a fan, um, having a fan track, my tra my track. Um, I think I, 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 I think would be so so cool to see. Yeah, I just think. It's just a PR stunt, but it's a PR stunt which I suppose we used in a sense to sort of you know drum up interest for Formula Reason, and it was great. It worked. It worked well. It was great to have all that fan engagement, and for Formula E, it would work the same, surely, right? And then to to have a track that was made by a fan that would bring so much interest into the race, just to see what a fan has actually created on the race day might make the races a bit more interesting or more put more intrigue on it. Um, Ed, in terms of you know, watching it. But what I want to ask you, Ed, actually, is our former being a bit ambitious, right? Nine days, free track layouts, right? So basically, they don't have a lot of time to turn one track into a new track. And then once they've done that, you've got to take it all apart again and do it again. Do you think it's a bit ambitious? Because some drivers, even though it was announced, were like, are they really going to do free track layouts? Like, how are they going to do that? Well, maybe one of the track layouts would just be the current one, but in reverse. <laughs> I, I was thinking about what you said about fan engagement. Uh, the only drawback I could see is if they have to sort of readapt the circuit to meet the FIA's homologation standards for like um, Formula E tracks, and they end up sort of butchering the fan design. I think that might not go down well because I've seen it happen before, like livery competitions and stuff like that. They end up having to change it to suit the sponsors and stuff like that. So I, I'm a bit more cautious on that. I think it would be a cool idea. I'd love to see it happen anyway, but uh, how they would implement it, I, I wouldn't know. But yeah, I, I think it's just in terms of logistics, in terms of they're only allowed to have a thousand people on site at, at one time, I think. So it'd be interesting to see how they actually um, go about if they, if they like say, they want to do different configuration, needs lots more barriers in or different infrastructure, how they're going to accommodate for that. Do you think they're going to, Ed, do you think they're going to build grandstands? Now, I say this because, right, there is absolutely no need for Formula E to put grandstands up, right? Makes no sense. But when you have a track with said grandstands in it, which, you know, the Berlin track does, it gives it that atmospheric feeling, right? 
So if we just go to a track and it's just got, it's just basically barriers and then there's nothing outside the barriers, it's just another airfield. I don't know if, would, do you feel that would lose some of that atmosphere of watching the race or even just having empty grandstands there would, you know, at least make, give it some sort of atmosphere that the fans should have been there and, and so forth. But without any grandstands, I'm just, it just came into my head now and I'm slightly worried about it because imagine watching the race and they do like a pan shot. And it's just an empty airfield with barriers, no grandstands, no nothing. It'll just look a bit odd. Yeah, but it's part of the um, situation, I guess, in a way. That, that it, is it is it worse to have, and like you say, an empty grandstand or there's no grandstand at all? I, I can see them using the space for advertising, certainly. I, I, if they, they do put up uh, grandstands, I couldn't imagine them just having them there empty. I think they would put some kind of sponsor thing in there. Perhaps ADB would do something. But... Uh, but yeah, it's um, it's certainly in terms of optics, it's going to be interesting to see how they manage it. And we're going to see lots of drivers coming in wearing face masks, of course, and uh, how that sort of, how they kind of manage that. Because it could, it, I, I've seen you know, stuff from other sports that have restarted and they have, they do have this problem of it looking a bit eerie in the back and the commentators kind of referring to the fact that there's no fans watching constantly and how it sort of draws attention to that and how, how it, uh, it's, you sort of hope the Formula League would find a way to to avoid that. They do usually, and the, the rare rounds that aren't that well attended anyway, they do a good job of, you know, positioning the cameras so it's not obvious that there aren't that many fans. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's actually a really interesting point that um, it makes in terms of we've been seeing it a lot in the British football um, stadiums at the moment in football where it's just full of advertising, full of sponsored messages, and you know that could be a really um, you know for the sponsors of the races that could be a really cool way, and then for you've still got that feeling that there are some stadiums there and there's actually something in the foreground to look at i don't know if that's right for i think foreground is the correct um term of phrase there but um but it's just something for the fans to look at in the sort of horizon in the broader picture rather than just having some loads of empty spaces yeah yeah uh, yeah and this is this the exact point that i was going to bring up the uh the, the fact that there are lots of um the, the lots of definitely the english the, the definitely the uh the english football teams they've done this a lot and uh and i was watching um one of the playoffs cuz uh my local university team which is northampton town were in the play, uh, were in the first part of the playoffs and um uh and yeah so uh, uh and yeah so basically the method that they had there is pay 25 quid and you can get like a cardboard cutout uh of of uh, of someone and then, uh, and uh, and then they stick them in the stands, and um, and um, uh, and, and one of the stories there was um, that there was this young lad called Harry Dunn who was um, killed uh, kind of unlawfully in a car crash la- uh, last year, and he was a big Northampton Town fan, and so they sent him as a cardboard cutout in and, and put him in there. There was also Shaq, um, uh, uh, Shaq O'Neill, um, in in the grandstands as well. So yeah, uh, so so. Uh, so yeah, and and uh, uh, and it was for like twenty five quid as well. So yeah, I think I I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good a good idea if they do that. Set up a couple grandstands, and just put cardboard cutouts of people in there. I I'd, I'd buy one. Put it yeah. something like twenty five quid. Sorted. Unless you, Unless don't, you don't do, do what Leeds did, did and, and, and put a picture of Bin Laden in one of the Yeah, no, I I I what? Yeah, do that in Saudi Arabia. That would get out well. What? What I'd do is I'd have like someone kind of they're just like making sure that they're all okay. Just I don't know how I don't know how Leeds 
big football show here, big football show. Um, I don't know how how someone at Leeds managed to Leeds United Football Club. There is a story, if you want to go look it up on the internet, it'll, it'll be around on Twitter for sure still, uh, where they were doing these cardboard cutout things and someone decided to, for as a joke, um, instead of putting a picture of themselves, they put a picture of Bin Laden up. So, um, and, and, and Leeds being Leeds Football Club actually didn't check and someone someone put it but I think it's a it's a great initiative though Jack like if, yeah have empty ground sense but people who are t- ticket holders send an email out to them don't even make them pay 25 pound yeah those ticket holders that had it get first dibs do you want to have a picture of yourself in the grandstand and we'll make a cardboard cut of you you can be in part of the races and then for other races they could open it up again there's plenty of stunts um Ed that Formula E could have done with this yeah, I guess so, and it we don't, we still don't know enough details, so it really remains to be seen what they do with that. I could, they could still implement what you're suggesting, but in my opinion, it's way more likely that they will just adapt the infrastructure they've already got and use it for advertising. And I think we've seen that in Formula One, like remember the Chinese Grand Prix used to do that with um, their grandstands. They would just empty; they would just put ads, advertising from local Chinese sponsors on them. So it's not exactly unprecedented. And Hockenheim as well with the Rolex at Turn One when when it was much better when it was opened up to fans. But the season that they didn't open up to fans, it was just covered in Rolex. But again, it would be a nice touch. Maybe not all the grandstands, but have one grandstand which is just filled with fans in cardboard cutouts. And hopefully, Formula E take what form, uh, football teams have been doing and seeing what they're doing and go, okay, we should take a slice of that pie and eat it as well. Mm. Um, but last right. thing, yeah. Exactly, you've got to make it tasty, you've got to make it tasty, otherwise the fans aren't going to do it. I just want to have a brief discussion, Jack, about Sam Bird. Because there's an interesting stat in the magazine, which will come out in a couple of... Well, at the time of this recording, is probably out. The June edition of the Formula E magazine will be out, so go check that out on um, the Formula E website. Uh, great interviews of Oliver Turvey and, and Marching War, and we do a lovely race review of the Race at Home Challenge for you to enjoy and read. But in one of the stats, in our stats page, you know, Sam Bird, 18 podiums in Formula E, and he's the only driver to have that amount of podiums, or he's the highest driver to have so many podiums, and not have a championship and you know I'm looking at Sam Bird now he's in his early to mid 30s and you're like is he going to win the championship or is he going to be one of the better drivers in Formula E that was in a championship fight but never wins a championship I just wanted to get your views on that yeah well we've seen it before in um in other series for example in MotoGP Danny Pedrosa he came close I think in 2012 I th- he was leading the championship in 2013 till he had a massive accident at the Saxon ring and it, and that led on to a fight between Marquez and Jorge Lorenzo um but yeah I I uh, I hope that he does pick up a championship um and so yeah I think I uh, because he he has the speed he has the car. It's just Formula E is seriously unpredictable. His best shot was probably in season four, but that was the um, so, well. His best shot so far was in season four, but that was the season. Uh, that was the season where Vern just absolutely blitzed the field, and there was no stopping him. Whatever you threw at him, uh, I think. I think it is still possible. I think it's still possible for him to win a championship. I mean, everyone's still mathematically in the shot for this year, so you can't really count anyone out. But um, maybe Oliver Turvey and Martin Quart. The, the, the car's not there. Sorry, lads. But, um, but yeah, I think... Um, uh, but, yeah, I think 
Sandberg, he he has the potential to go uh, to uh, to go out and and and, and actually win a championship. I, I think it will happen before he retires. Uh, well, I've I've got everything crossed for him because he deserves it. He's a really good guy, and so I'd be disappointed if Samba does end his Formula E career and he doesn't have at least one title to his name. Because the thing is, Ed, right? Like, Envision Virgin is basically his team. Yeah, he's been there since you know day dot, and you know he's come close. And that team is a team that is there or thereabouts every season. They have been there or thereabouts, and you know. I don't know now, obviously, them losing DS and becoming this Audi powertrain customer team, if that's going to hurt them in the future, because um, they're going to lack that testing. But they've done well this season compared to Audi with the software. But who knows going into the future whether or not, you know, Audi might outjump them or, or, or what's going to happen. And obviously, they'll be, they're not building stuff in-house. They're sort of, you know, working with what they've got, whereas other people building and, and know the product that they, they're building, essentially. So... I think it's going to be hard for him because, yes, you know, the cars aren't going to change much. And I think, you know, maybe his best bet is the first season of Gen 3 if if, if, if Virgin get it right and the Audi powertrain gets it right. Um, but I think now for the remainder of the Gen 2 series, it's going to be tough for Virgin to to really challenge for a time. I think they'll challenge, but to be the best team, I think that's going to be difficult. It's interesting because uh, they're... There aren't many customer teams in Formula. It's only Virgin and I think Neo as well using Dragon's powertrain. Uh, but, but Virgin, they I think Audi have lent them a few testing days. I know they did for this season and I've done for the previous season as well, which was the first one I did with customer Audi power unit. But uh, the thing is, it always seems to me that Invision Virgin are quick out of the box and then Audi on some of the other teams as well tend to outdevelop them a little bit as the season goes up, goes on. I mean, we did see Robin Fryan's late last season was able to take a few wins in Paris and in New York. But uh, yeah, Sam himself, I remember last season, it did seem like season five might have been his season. And then all of a sudden he had this uh, the crash of Lotterer in Hong Kong where he had the wind taken away from him post-race and it took the wind out of his sails a little bit. And it's interesting looking back at Sam Bird's former career, uh, I've always felt that he he's... He's grown a lot, actually, because in the early seasons, he was incredibly inconsistent. He would get into needless incidents some days, but other days he would be absolutely untouchable. Like you think of Buenos Aires season two, which is still one of his uh, best individual drives that he cites. But he also points at like uh, New York in season three, where he won both races in two days. And he was one of the first, I think the first driver, uh, no, the second driver to pull off because Nico Prost did it uh, earlier in Battersea. But yeah, so Sam has a lot of really great qualities. He's led that team uh, as well as he's, he's been able to. And sure, they've had their ups and downs. Personally, is he going to win the title? That's the big question. I don't think so. I think there's a chance the opportunity might I'm going to be contrarian to what Pico was saying. I'm going to say the chance might not come around to him. And I think there's a potential that Sam Bird, he's, I, I can see him taking a lot of victories, but I think he might end up being the Sterling Moss of Formula E, in my opinion. Someone who... Uh, is really highly rated, has won almost everything, but doesn't quite have the big title to his name that he did, so desperately craves. But he may end up having to just uh, accept that and sort of make the rest of it. Yeah, it's a shame, really, because I suppose that's been Sam Bird's career, and I think that's how he'll remember his career. As as he said in the end, we go green for him. You know, he's always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Like, he, he always finishes second. He's always number two in line. 
Um, so honestly, I hope he gets a shot because I think he deserves a title shot again. Um, it might not happen this season. It could happen this season, depending on how Virgin have done. But boys, I want to say a massive thank you um, for coming on the show today. Um, great topics. Great discussion as always. Love having you on. Thank you. Um, remember, just some few housekeeping uh, tips. New magazine is out. Why are you still here? Like, the show is over. Go over to the Formula Re website and hit on the magazine link, uh, tab, whatever it is, words. And, um, yeah, have a, Oliver Turvey, Marching Wire, as I said earlier, great interviews, a great insight into life at Neo and Next TV and, and so forth. And a, a really great insight into Marching Wire and his career as well. So definitely worth a read. Um, also, um, YouTube, give us a like and a subscribe. You must be enjoying the content if you've gotten this far into the show. So if you haven't liked or subscribed yet, what are you doing with your life? Um, but thank you so much for watching. We'll be back next week to discuss some more Formula E news. We will see you then. Goodbye. Thank you.